Welcome to this week's episode of the Trust Your Temple podcast. My name is Carissa Sandin. I am so excited that you're here. I'm a transformational coach and I work with kiddos and their parents to navigate things like custody, divorce, relationship shifts, co-parenting, parenting, behavior issues, all that kind of stuff. It's my jam. I love it. And today's episode is so awesome. I cannot even wait to dive right in. Let's get started. You're going to love it. Okay, so I'm just going to preface this episode with if you have spent any time with me, whether that's time in a session and you're a client or you're a friend of mine or maybe, you know, you're my grandma and grandpa who are listening to this podcast. Hi, guys. Um, One of the things that I wanted to share with you is my definition of autonomy. You'll hear me say the word autonomy. You'll read it on my blog all the time. It's going to end up being a category on my blog, I'm sure. Autonomy. And uh, autonomy to me means providing independence and the ability to make choice. Autonomy and agency are very uh, similar in my brain when talking about parenting. So when I say autonomy, I want you to think independence, providing a space for your child to have some choice about how their life goes, being able to do things themselves. Autonomous means the ability to to do things yourself, to do things as an individual, to self-regulate. Um, And when I use the word autonomy, which we're going to get into a ton today, I want you to think about Uh, autonomy through the lens of allowing your child some choice about how their life goes. Okay, so let's get that out of the way and let's dive into the real crux of this episode. Something that my husband and my co-parents and I have decided for our kids is that we would love them to have as much autonomy as is possible and appropriate. So hear me when I say that. I'm not going to let our 11-year-old drive a car because it's autonomy, (laughs) right? So we have boundaries around things that they are allowed and not allowed to do. And they are vastly different, not only because our daughter is 18 and our son is 11. Hello, massive age gap and maturity gap and legal responsibility gap. But also we have a son and a daughter and they're different genders, different, um, pathologies, different brains, different hearts, minds, all those things. One of the things that you'll hear me say often if we work together is that different parents parent different kids differently. I'll say that again, different parents parent different kids differently. And that is really true. How this was said to me, um, when I was a child is different kids, different rules, which is ultimately true, but I like saying it in a different way because it, it allows for some mm, thinking to happen. So different parents parent different kids differently. It means that I'm not going to parent the same way that my co-parents are going to parent. Um, I don't even parent exactly the same way as my husband parents because he's a different human than me. He has different impulses and desires and knee-jerk reactions and different emotional makeup all of that. We might be on the same page as co-parents for the goals for our children as a foursome, meaning bio mom, bio dad, and then the step parents. But, um, we all parent in a different way, even if we have the same shared common goals. And one of the things that is a shared common goal 
that we've all worked in uh, to our unique parenting styles is autonomy and choice, allowing our kids to have choices. Like I said, there are boundaries around this. If you need help on boundaries, listen to my last episode from the middle of August. But there are some boundaries around choices. So rule number one, when offering your child more choices, offer them only choices that you're okay with, right? I'm not going to offer my 11-year-old the chance to drive a plane or a car because he's 11, right? But I can give him the choice of, do you want a red cup or a blue cup for dinner? Do Would you like to leave now or in five minutes? Would you like to put your coat on or would you like to carry it? Would you like to wear your blue shoes or your red shoes? Would you like to do your history homework first or your math homework first? I'm not asking him if he wants to do homework. I'm asking him if he wants the math or the history first, right? So these are just really quick off the tongue examples because they're easily accessible to me. I I live this with my own children and I also coach around this. Um, But giving your child choices means giving your child choices that you're okay with. It means giving them the opportunity to pick something without reprimand. It's not like if they pick social studies homework first over math, you're going to be irritated. If you are, don't offer that as a choice. (laughs) Don't offer it. Only give choices that you're okay with. So rule number one, Offer tons of choices and only give options that you are okay with. Rule number two, if you are giving choices so much that it seems redundant and almost annoying, you're doing it right. I want you to give your kids so many choices that you feel like almost everything is an option. This builds their autonomy tank. It builds their trust tank and it builds their responsibility tank. So the flip side of choice is responsibility. And if let's give the same example to keep it, you know, the same. If I give my child the choice of a red cup versus a blue cup for dinner, not giving him the choice of do you want milk or soda? It's milk, but do you want the red cup or the blue cup? Because either one I'm fine with. And he picks the blue cup and then has a fit that he wants the red cup. That choice he is able to own. You picked the blue cup. You can try again tomorrow. I know it's frustrating when we pick uh, something that we don't want or we need to change our mind. We can try again tomorrow and pick something different. This responsibility comes from being able to own your choices. What happens when we grow up and we're adults and the adults that I see in my practice that were not raised with choice have control freak tendencies. They have the tendency to blame everything on everyone. So if you are someone who finds yourself or maybe you've gotten feedback that you blame people or that you want to pass things off or that you, um, you didn't have an example of autonomy. You didn't have a lot of choice growing up. You might have control freak tendencies. You might want to control everything. And I actually have a a few clients right now, some child clients who are grasping at control. They're grasping at safety. And this can happen anytime in life, but especially when there's a significant change. It could be a move. It could be um, divorce or a separation of a parental relationship. It could be even a positive change like a parent getting remarried or um, parents reconciling. It could be a lot of different things. But anytime there's a significant amount of change, typically children want more security and stability. And that can show up 
up as control freak tendencies, which can be, um, you know, refusing to do things or sneaking food or, um, destructive behavior, you know, it goes all the way along the spectrum from, um, codependence and trying to control everybody's emotions to destructive behavior. It can, it can show up. I've seen it show up all over that spectrum. So give tons of choices. This is the antidote to those, to the control freak, to the blame game, blame shifting, give tons of choices. It will teach children early on that they are responsible for their choices and their choices can give them some control over their life and that they can't blame anybody else if their choice doesn't end up suiting them because they picked it. So really building these muscles, building, 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 building these muscles as they are growing is so crucial and important because ultimately we are allowing them to be healthy, productive, safe, sane, and stable adults that will end up potentially parenting their own children one day and making the world a better place. So I started this segment by saying, if you feel like you're giving so many choices, your head's about to spin, (laughs) meaning you're giving choices often, you're doing it right. (laughs) You're doing it right. Now, one thing I want to touch on here, when I say a lot of choices, typically I give two or three options in a single choice. So red cup or blue cup or red cup, blue cup or green cup. I don't give 15 choices in cup color because that would be overwhelming, especially to a younger child or a child with any sort of traumatic pathology. It's very important to not get overwhelmed. It makes the choice easy when they only have a few options. This is a marketing principle. It's a brain-based principle. If you have questions, Google it. (laughs) Um, But really, I give two or three options per choice, but I try to give around 50 choices a day. Some of you will hear that and think that I'm crazy. Some of you will be like, what in the world? But this is, think about every interaction you have with your child has an opportunity for choice. So give a ton of choices. Even if you're brand new to this and you just start working it in little bit by little bit by little bit, um, you'll notice that it has a profound effect on your child and their ability to relax, to feel responsible, and to have some ownership over their life. The third rule I'd like to bring to your awareness today is to connect before you correct. So we talked about in the last segment when children make a choice that they end up not loving. (laughs) Could be as simple as a different color cup or a different pair of shorts or the... um, the schedule of events. If you allow your child to choose, should we go to the mailbox first or the park first? Those kind of things are important. And if your child makes a choice that they don't end up loving, your knee-jerk reaction, like most parents, like mine is a lot, is to correct. No, 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 no. You picked this. Remember, you said this and you picked this and this is what we're doing and then we're going to go here and if you don't like it, tough tooties, right? Like that's that's a knee-jerk reaction that a lot of us had because that's how either we were raised or we've experienced parenting up until this point or maybe that's how um, we learned, you know, whatever. However you came about your parenting knowledge, you came about your parenting knowledge and this is an opportunity to maybe shift that if this is calling out to you and resonating. So, um, I, I meaning in my family with my 
uh, co-parents, our kids, four parents, we really love operating in a space of connecting before we correct. So this means for younger children, getting down onto the child's level, kneeling down, making eye contact with them, seeing the world from their perspective, both physically and emotionally and mentally. So bending down, looking from their perspective, making eye contact with them, automatically when you remove your towering over someone, you automatically relax their nervous system. You start to relax their nervous system response where they're able to tap more into what they're feeling versus feeling threatened versus just being in fight or flight because you're taller and bigger and stronger, most likely, than your child. Um, So getting on their level is really important. Connect with them. And then we want to offer empathy. First and foremost, we want to offer empathy. If you don't know what empathy is, go look at my blog because there's tons of articles that I've written on empathy. But ultimately, empathy is allowing yourself to witness and get perspective on someone else's experience. It does not mean you take their experience in, their experience on as your own, but it means understanding their perspective and experience without judgment. So let me give you a real world example because this is important. My 18-year-old daughter had a situation last year where she chose not to renew her license plate, her car tags. Her car tag, her license plates expired, and um, it was very stressful. Needless to say, it was very stressful. And something that we don't do in our home is give reminders. We don't remind our children about anything. We trust them so much that if they forget, it doesn't get done. And then there are consequences later. So that's another episode. But we didn't remind her about renewing her tags. She had it on the calendar. She kept talking about it. We knew she remembered, did not want to remind her. And she ended up not being able to renew them, not choosing to renew them in time. Instead of coming at her from a, wow, that is a horrible choice. I can't believe you did that. Now you can't drive. All of those kind of emotions. I sat down with her on the couch. I got on her level and I said, dang, honey, this really stinks. I remember actually when I was pretty close to your age and I didn't know I could renew my tags online and I let them expire. And then I had to pay a a late fee and it really sucked. This must be so stressful. And I can't even imagine how frustrating this must be now knowing that you can't drive on expired plates because you're worried if you're going to get pulled over. In that moment, I connected with her before I corrected her. Connect before you correct. Get on their level. Understand what they're going through. Help them feel seen and heard because your your correction will come across um, Though not the way that you want it. If you're trying to be a a holistic, whole brain parent, it will just come off as overriding their natural impulses and overriding their circuitry and their personality and the way that they're created to be if you correct before you connect. So instead, flip that around and connect with them. Get on their level, show them empathy, help them feel seen and heard, and then gently guide them to a different choice. A different choice. Did you hear that? Let them make another choice. So I'll give you a different example. 
my something that's something that is from a different child. So my uh, 11-year-old son, we were at a very fancy, very very fancy like five-star dinner, like hundreds of dollars a plate, very fancy dinner for an extended family member's birthday. And um, it was at a steakhouse. So you imagine a steakhouse is very, very fancy. We're all dressed up to the nines. There's steak knives on the table next to the plates. And my, he was 10 at the time, my, my 10-year-old at the time son grabbed his steak knife and started twirling it around in his fingers. Obviously not a safe choice. Instead of saying, put your knife down, <laughs> which I'll be honest, sometimes is warranted. If your two-year-old is running into the street, it's not a time to say, are you going to run in the street? Are you going to stay on the sidewalk? No, go get your kid and keep them safe, right? But in this moment, uh, with <laughs> with my son at the table, his uh, it was when he was with us, not our co-parents. So he was with my husband and I and some extended family at the table. And he's twirling this knife, almost like a pen. People would twirl a pen or a drumstick through their fingers. He was twirling this knife through his fingers. And I looked right at him. He was sitting next to me. I looked at him. I said, do you need to put, do, would you like to put your knife down or would you like me to take it? And he kind of looked at me for a second, furrowed his eyebrows and kept twirling, (laughs) kept twirling his knife. So I looked at him and I got close to it, closer to his face. Cause keep in mind, he's a lot shorter than me. I bent down, got close to his face. And I said, honey, would you like to put your knife down or would you prefer that I hold on to it for you? And he kept twirling it. (laughs) So I connected before I corrected. And that was the connection moment he and the choice here comes the, the correct. I took the knife away from him. I took it from his hands. He was obviously very irritated. And I said, when I can trust you to be responsible with sharp things, we can try again. I know how sad it feels to not be able to have all the same things on your plate as the rest of the table. And when I can trust you with sharp objects, we can try again. So even in my correction, there was connection. We can try again. It's okay. It's just something that you're not able to handle right now. And that's all right. I asked you, you didn't make a choice. So I will choose for you. And really what we're doing is we're providing an opportunity for children to conceptualize different pathways in their brain, conceptualize different choices they can make. They, maybe they don't see that there's a red cup and a blue cup. Maybe they don't see that they can put the knife down or have a uh, bonus mom hold on to it. Maybe they don't see that there is another option. And so when we provide them choices, not only do they have control over their life, they can build those control and self-trust muscles, but they also can't blame anybody. Sure. Was he mad at me for taking his knife away? Absolutely. Could he blame it on me? Nope. He had the opportunity, in fact, two opportunities to make a different choice and it didn't happen. And therefore I stepped in to choose for him. Ultimately, we want to connect before we correct and we want to offer choices. And sometimes kiddos don't want to choose. At that point, we can choose for them, which is also a choice. Would you like to choose or should I choose for you? (laughs) The more you can turn things into choices, the more your children will be able to have a sense of autonomy, which is the one of the biggest things you can provide for them 
as a parent, a guardian, a shepherding person in their life, a teacher, a counselor, a leader. Um, If you are in a position of partnership with a child, a healthy partnership with a child includes autonomy and choice. Please allow yourself to navigate this with grace. Allow yourself to honor what's showing up. If you feel uncomfortable or this feels really weird, start small. Would you like a piece of gum or a breath mint? Would you like to sit on the right side or the left side of the car? Would you like to go to place A or place B first? Would you like an apple or an orange for a snack? You're not offering a Pop-Tart. You're offering an apple or an orange. So I want you to practice small, start small with choices, and then remember to connect before you correct. Give a ton of choices, connect with them, get on their level, help them see that you see them, that you hear them, that they are safe and heard, and navigate this with an open mind. Parenting is rough. It can be this like the most difficult, nebulous thing ever, the thing that makes you want to pull your hair out, and yet you love your kids with every fiber of your being. I totally get it. Um, the thing that has saved my sanity is giving my children choices, and the fact that this is a partnership view with all of my co-parents. We all operate the same way. We all give our kids um, we all give our kids options. We give our kids the ability to choose. We give our kids the experience of autonomy so that they can grow up and be functional, beautiful, kind, compassionate, caring, responsible, trusting, and trustworthy human beings. I want to add one last thing. I get parents in my coaching group and in my practice all the time that will end up practicing this idea of choice and autonomy. And they inevitably will have what all of us have had, just like my son did at the dinner table at this massively expensive, beautiful restaurant. They'll have a fit. The kids will have a fit. They'll have a freak out. They'll have an emotional meltdown. It could be the going limp and you have to drag your kid out of the store or the restaurant. It could be screaming matches. It could be defiance or silence. It can show up a lot of different ways. Even my two kids are totally different in how they respond when they're in uh, resistance. And so when your child is doing that, I want to give you a challenge. And this is, this is not meant to be a challenge that you meet at 100% because I want you to remember that you're human, right? Parenting is never perfect. It's always something that we are working on and fine-tuning and tweaking or maybe not even fine-tuning. Maybe we're making large tweaks um, because it can be really wonky and it's hard to get right. But the thing I want to challenge you to do with grace is to allow them a choice about where they're expressing themselves if their expression is uncomfortable. So when my son had his dinner knife, his steak knife taken away from him at this massive dinner I just talked about. He started to freak out. He slammed his fist on the table, folded his arms, looked at me with furrowed eyebrows. You know, typically these are his signs of getting ready to have a meltdown or have an emotional response. I did not want him 
to feel awkward having that response in front of everybody. That was something I was concerned about because we were at a very formal dinner and because I know my son and he doesn't like doing that in front of people. So I looked at him in the middle of his of his starting to freak out, his starting to melt down. I looked at him and I said, would you like to have emotions here? Would you like to process here? Or would you like to go out to the car? Would you like to go to the bathroom? I think I offered three. Would you like to... Uh, feel what you're feeling here in the car or in the bathroom. And that didn't tell him that what he's feeling is wrong. It didn't tell him to shut it down. It didn't tell him to stop feeling angry, right? Anger is a powerful emotion. And he was feeling angry that he lost his knife. I didn't tell him not to feel it. I didn't tell him to, you know, quit freaking out, sit down, we're at dinner, right? We're not going to shame our kids into a different behavior. That That's a whole other podcast. But ultimately, I want you to be mindful and I want to challenge you graciously with grace to allow your children to choose where they freak out. Do you want to have a problem here? Do you want to cry in the car or would you rather cry on the walk inside to school? Do you want to take five minutes and get to get, get your put yourself together here? Or would you rather go into the classroom? Do you need five minutes to collect yourself before we go into church right now? Or do you want to take five minutes in the middle of service? You know, whatever the, whatever the options are. So I want you to think about the things that you're okay with, the options you're okay with, which can be hard to decide in the moment. So think about them before. And I want you to be conscious of your child's meltdown signals. Every child has a different meltdown signal or maybe more than one. And if you can navigate those and catch them early, there's a way better chance that they'll be receptive to the choices and they will actually take the choices versus you having to choose for them. So, um, I want you to be mindful of your child's meltdown signals. See if you can catch it early. And if you can catch it early, give them a choice about where they'd like to process. I can see that you're up connect. I can see that you're upset. I know that it's not fun when you lose your dinner knife and everybody else at the table has one. I'm sure that that's not fun. I hate when I don't have the same things that other people have and when I have to learn hard lessons. Would you like to process sitting in your chair right here or would you like to go to the bathroom there's nothing in that phrasing that is shameful that is codependent that is telling the child how to function or how to regulate it really is giving them all the tools to be able to have what they need because we're learning um, kids are learning how to ask for what they want and need. I work with adults that don't know how to ask for what they want and need because they never were taught this as kids. So I'm super grateful that <laughs> my children, our children, get to have this experience with all of their parents and most of their extended family. Um, is really rock star at this too because they've been um, parents before and they understand what it's like to raise children. So I want to... Uh, I want to, I want you to envision me hugging you, giving you a hug and telling you that you're doing a great job, that parenting is no joke. And I'm so proud of you. You're doing a great job. Um, I want you to think about giving your kids more choices, giving your kids more choices, giving them choices that you're okay with, allowing them to feel a little bit more in control of their life and what is showing up for them. 
And I want you to be able to operate in a space of peace in your home. So think about these things over the next week and let me know how it goes. Get to my website or you can find me on Instagram at Trust Your Temple or find me on my website at TrustYourTemple.com and let me know how it's going for you. There's a contact form on there. You can send me an email. Let me know how it's going. I'm super curious and I want to be able to support you if you need it. Other than that, have a great week. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Trust Your Temple, the podcast. If you need to get to me between now and next week's episode, you can do that as well as leave any suggestions or questions for the podcast on my website. That is trustyourtemple.com. You can also get to me on any social media platform with the username Trust Your Temple. Thanks for being here. See you next week.